we're going to continue the series on Rich Through His Poverty. And in the previous teaching, we had a look at um, the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, because we have said, well, the scripture actually is very plain to us, that um, in everything we're to look at our Lord Jesus Christ as the ultimate example that we are to follow. And uh, that includes the area of our finances and trusting in God our Father to take care of us. And so we had a look at how the Father took care of our Lord Jesus Christ when he was on the earth in his early years leading up into the time when he went into ministry. And then we also looked at um, the generosity that our Lord Jesus displayed in the earth when he was in the ministry um, to give us an idea of just how generous our God and our Father is. Today we want to continue having a look at our Lord Jesus as uh, the example in this area. And we want to look at uh, two aspects of our Lord's ministry. We want to look at his finances um, that he dealt with in the, the time period when he went into the ministry, how God the Father uh, sustained him at that time. And then we also want to look at our Lord's personal finances. So we're going to look at two aspects of our Lord's ministry, kind of. We're going to look at his ministry finances and we're going to look at his personal finances. Uh, again, we're just wanting to get uh, a clearer understanding of just how it is that the Lord actually walked on the earth because he taught along this subject on numerous occasions and we want to see just how the Lord actually then applied that to his own life as our example. And so we'll open up with today's scripture in Mark chapter 6 verse 37 through to verse 42. And the scripture says, But he answered them and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And so we've looked at this uh, particular account uh, earlier when we saw the generosity of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to look at it from a different aspect now. And that is the fact that when our Lord spoke to his disciples, he knew right from the outset what he was going to do. The Bible talks about the fact that he actually tested Philip in this area. Or well, it might have been Thomas. Not to show which one it was, but anyway. Um, the point is, is that when he said to them, you give them something to eat, their response to the Lord was, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Now, the reason that the disciples said that um, was because that's exactly what they had. They had 200 denarii on them at the time. You will recall in, in Scripture that we know that Judas... Uh, kept the money box and so he was the treasurer of our Lord's ministry team and so what they would have done is they would have gone to Judas and said well how much money have you got? Judas came back and he said we've got 200 denarii so they would have come back to the Lord and said Lord we've got 200 denarii shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Now we know that 200 denarii wasn't enough because 200 denarii in today's numbers works out to roughly about a hundred thousand rand and when we dealt with uh, this particular 
miracle in the previous teaching. We did the equation, we worked it out that in order to feed just 5,000, and we know that there, in fact, there were more than 5,000 there that day, um, it would have taken a half a million rand to feed that. So even though the Lord's in their money box, they had 100,000 rand on hand, that was insufficient finance available to feed such a large crowd. But the point that I want to get across here is that the, 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 they did have 100,000 rand on hand. Now that's not a small amount of money for any uh, person to be carrying around at any one time. Now our Lord did have uh, a fair size ministry team. But um, the point is that our Lord had to earn some form of an income. When he left the carpentry business, uh, when he left Joseph's business to go into the ministry for, uh, full time, he had to have a, a form of income. Now our Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel shall live from the gospel. That he's commanded in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 14. Now our Lord practiced that exact same principle when he entered into the ministry full time. When he left the carpentry business and he went into ministry, he then began to live from the gospel as our Father, and as he has in fact commanded his ministers to do. And so, um, doing the work of the ministry is in fact a, a job. So, as God the Father took care of our Lord Jesus Christ as a carpenter, so the Lord also, the Father, took care of his son uh, Jesus as a minister of the gospel. But as a minister of the gospel, it wasn't just our Lord who had to be supported. Um, he had to support an, uh, you know, a fair-sized ministry team as well. And so that is the reason why there was such a lot of money uh, that Judas carried around at any one time. This was not an isolated incident that, you know, when they went to check up with Judas, how much have you got in the money box? He came back and said 200 denarii. Um, this wasn't a case of, gee, Lord, we've got 200 denarii. We've never had so much before. This was the norm for them. They anticipated this is the kind of money that they carried around with them at all times. Because our Lord had such a, a large ministry team that he had to support. Because again, you will recall that when our Lord asked people to follow him, his instruction to them was, leave everything you have, sell what you have, give to the poor and come and follow me. Think about Peter and Andrew, James and John. They left uh, profitable businesses, fishing businesses that they owned at the time. There's, there's Zebedee's sons were obviously in business with their father. Um, but they left those businesses behind to follow our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, not all of them, but a lot of them, a lot of our Lord's disciples had families to support as well. Now, we know about Peter and his wife. Um, and so... You know, when these individuals left everything to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, um, Jesus then was obliged to take care of their needs. And that's exactly what he did. Because the amount of finances that came into his ministry was sufficient to sustain not only his own needs, but also the needs of all of his disciples and their families. Because a lot of the disciples were married with children and they had to take care of their needs. And so God the Father... Um, took care of our Lord's needs through the method of the ministry generating that kind of income. So how did the ministry generate that kind of income that they would have at any one given time had at least 100,000 rand in the bank account, you can basically say, because you know they didn't obviously keep it in a bank. Um, Judas would carry it around in a box. 
And it also, we can get a bit of an understanding as to how it is possible that Judas could uh, steal from the money box and nobody knew about it. It was only the Lord Jesus who knew about it. And obviously, after our Lord was raised from the dead, that was revealed to the disciples at the same time. But during our Lord's ministry, uh, when Judas was stealing from the money box, it was only Judas who knew that and only our Lord Jesus Christ who knew that. Um, none of the other disciples knew that Judas was stealing from the money box. Had they known, they would have complained quite dramatically to the Lord about that particular issue. They never complained because they never knew. But the point that I wanted to raise here is that there was that much money coming into that money box and being distributed out of that money box all the time that it was quite easy for Judas to steal from the money box and nobody noticed. For that two-year period that he was in charge of the, the finance of our Lord ministry, um, no one knew that he had stolen um, because it just you know just didn't materialize because there was just that amount of, of money coming into that ministry and being passed through that ministry. It was not being hoarded up. Although they carried 100,000 rands with them at that time, um, you need to understand the, you know, just how many people our Lord had to support. Um, it wasn't only the 12 apostles and their families. It was also, if you recall, our Lord had 70 disciples that he sent out at one time. And so they were with him uh, a lot of the time as well. And so our Lord would then support them as well. So how did God go about doing that? Well, we pick up an account of that is in Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through to 3. The scripture says, Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. And so that's exactly what our Lord, um, how the finances came into his ministry, is that God the Father raised up many who provided for our Lord from their substance. And so they would give offerings into our Lord's ministry. Those offerings would obviously be handed over to Judas. He held the money box. And the finances that were in that money box were then utilized to sustain the ministry team. And we'll also look at it just now, is also to give to the poor. In fact, that seems to be what the majority of that money was used for, is to give to the poor. But we'll have a look at that uh, as we get into this teaching today. But <clears throat> there were a lot of very wealthy people that supported our Lord's ministry. It, it wasn't the, the masses, but um, there were very wealthy people that did give into our Lord's ministry. Now that was again God the Father who raised up those individuals to uh, supply the need not only of His Son, but also of uh, His Son's ministry team as well. And we think about uh, Lazarus, Mary and Martha. They were three very wealthy individuals. Uh, they were siblings obviously that uh, had inherited quite a substantial fortune from their parents. Their parents had obviously passed on. Um, and we know that they were, they were extremely wealthy because if we think about that alabaster flask or spikenard that uh, Mary poured out on our Lord Jesus, on, and we pick up that account in Mark 14, 3-5, they estimated, the disciples estimated, and I think Judas is the one who really made the comment, that that particular flask could have been sold for 300 denarii. Now, 300 denarii 
translated into, again in today's money, it works out to roughly about 150,000 rands just for one bottle of perfume. And so it just gives us an indication just how wealthy Martha, Mary and Lazarus were. They were not uh, poor by any uh, stretch of the imagination. Uh, people say, yeah, um, Mary saved up you know, all of her saving all of her life to get this expensive perfume. There's no indication that that's the truth. Um, they owned their own home. Our Lord Jesus with his ministry team lived in their home. Um, so, you know, they were wealthy people. The Bible says they were very well known in Jerusalem uh, because when Lazarus had passed on, a lot of the Jews came from Jerusalem to comfort them. So the, the, this was a, a very wealthy family and uh, well known in the Jewish community. And again, uh, as we uh, have seen in Scripture, the, the bottle of perfume that Mary used on the Lord was 150,000 Rand in value today. So it wasn't just uh, that one bottle. They, they had a, a substantial amount of wealth and they used their wealth to support the Lord's ministry uh, during the time that he was on the earth. But it was only um, because, again, we, we, we look at our Lord uh, and we, we take passages of Scripture out of context. We, talk, we think about the time when our Lord spoke to the rich young ruler to go sell everything that he had, give to the poor and come and follow him. And we, we tend to think, okay, well, that was the Lord's counsel to rich people. He's, you know, rather sell everything you have, give it to the poor and then follow after him. But the, our Lord only ever made that comment to an individual that he wanted to follow him. It wasn't to every single individual who was rich that he would then instruct them to sell everything they have, get to the poor and come and follow him. Otherwise, he would have done the same with Mary, Martha and Lazarus, but he didn't. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus did not follow the Lord. They stayed in their own home. They might have traveled around with him from time to time, but they were not disciples that our Lord had called to follow him. Think about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a very wealthy man. We pick that up in Luke's account, Luke 19, verse 9. And our Lord goes into Zacchaeus' home, and Zacchaeus gives away half of his wealth, and he restores fourfold anybody that he'd stolen from. And our Lord said, Salvation has come to this home today because he too is a, a child of Israel. And so our Lord never instructed Zacchaeus to sell everything that he had and follow him. Um, Zacchaeus was still ex an exceptionally wealthy man, even though he had given half of his wealth to the poor. Now, he would have been another individual that the Lord would have used, God the Father would have used, raised up to supply finances into our Lord's ministry. And so we just wanted to get an understanding as to the finances that came into our Lord's ministry, because we're dealing purely now with his uh, time that he was on the earth, that two-year period that he was ministering on the earth. I'm not, we've dealt with when he was a carpenter prior to this. Um, and where that wealth came from, because it came from many individuals, the scripture says, that uh, supported him from their substance. And so there were a lot of very wealthy people that supported our Lord's ministry while he was on the earth. So the Lord actually doesn't have anything against um, wealth among his children because he uses that wealth for the glory of God and for the kingdom of God. And so it is actually necessary in the body of Christ that God does raise up individuals who um, make a substantial amount of money, that they really do become very wealthy, but then that to channel that wealth uh, for the glory of God. And um, in, in this case, that money was channeled into our Lord's 
ministry. And so, yeah, as we said, that it was because of the fact that um, our Lord has such a vast ministry team that walked around with Him and traveled around with Him. And our Lord had to take care of their needs. You must understand, uh, Peter and, and, and Andrew, for example, walking away from their fishing business and having families to support. Um, Jesus was obliged to support those families because Jesus is the one who said to, to those two men, leave everything you have, come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And so they did it. They left everything. And Peter said to our Lord, Lord, we've left everything. What, what, what's in store for us? And so our Lord took care of every single one of their needs. There was never a case of, Lord, um, you know, I'm following you, but back at home, my, my wife and my kids, they, they've got nothing to eat. It was always the case the money came into the ministry. The money was then given out, allocated out, as anyone had need. Again, we can go, you know, when we look at the early church in the, in, um, the book of Acts, in the church in Jerusalem, um, the Bible says that they, you know, people sold properties and they had everything was, was, was combined and everybody's needs were met. Now, the reason that, that they practiced that was because they had learned that from the Lord. Because that's how they had op operated with the Lord for that two-year period. They had learned that the money came in and the money was then given out as everybody had need. And so that's what they practiced um, in the early church in the city of Jerusalem. Now, there is another aspect to that because obviously um, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, knew that uh, in the year 70 AD, which was just over 30 years away, all of that property would be destroyed anyway, and the Jews would lose everything. So God allowed them to sell all of their properties. So that was a different, but the point there that I wanted to raise is that the church practiced this lifestyle, in that the money that was brought in was then given out to those who had need, because that's how the Lord had in fact taught them to live. And the money just kept coming in. Because God the Father had raised up these individuals uh, to supply the Lord's ministry from their own substance. And as I say, the, you know, the scripture is very plain. That were, there were a lot of uh, rich people that supplied um, our Lord's ministry at the time. Another scripture that we can look at which gives us a bit of insight into our Lord's ministry finances. And again, we need to understand what we're talking about here because we're talking about our Lord's... Now, this might sound a bit crude. It might not sound like the right term to use, but it, from a financial point of view, it is. Uh, and that is that the Lord's ministry was His business. That's what God had employed His Son to do. Um, now, you say, well, that doesn't make sense. Surely God doesn't employ people. Yes, He does. Think about the under the Old Covenant, the Levites. The Levites were not allowed to own property. They could own the, the, the cities that um, God had ascribed to them, and they had communal property around it. But they weren't allowed to go and you know, start businesses. Their job was to serve the temple and to serve the, the, the Lord. He was their inheritance. So whereas the rest of the Jews did receive orchards and vineyards and homes and all that, the Levites didn't. The Levites, their inheritance was God. And they were employed by God to serve the temple and to serve Him. But God paid them. Now, the, the way that God paid them was through the offerings and the tithes of the Jews. They would bring that up and that would be given to the Levites, the priests, so that they could live. So they were employed by the Lord. That's exactly 
you know, in the analogy, that's the job they did. They were gatekeepers, they were, um, they had to open up the temple, they had to uh, bake the showbread, all of the function of doing priestly work, that was their job. So whereas the other Jews would, um, you know, plant and sow and reap and they would make cheese and they would, you know, do all these various trades and make money thus by doing that, the Levites didn't. The Levites did the work of the Lord. But God then paid them. So, ministry um, is in fact a, a job that the Lord gives to those whom He calls into the ministry. That's why He says to His ministers, He said, those who preach the gospel shall live from the gospel, because that's their job. And that's why uh, uh, the apostles, when, when it came to the point that, uh, again in the early church, and the distribution of the daily needs was becoming a bit of an issue. The apostles said, guys, it's not right that we should leave the word and, and the ministry in order to wait on tables. And they had to raise up other people to do that. Because, you know, they recognized their calling was to preach the gospel. And that's what Jesus has called his ministry gifts to do. So, in fact, that's their job. And they get paid to do that. Now, the way they get paid to do that is through the gospel. Because our Lord has very clearly said, those who preach the gospel shall live from the gospel. Just like the, the Levites, the priests, had to live from the temple, from the offerings given. And so that's exactly what uh, ministry gifts today do. They live from the gospel. But from that point of view, it's very similar to an individual who has their own business, for argument's sake. And so God blesses the business, the finances come in, and God expects that person to be a good steward of the finances that come through that business. And so in the same manner, so God blesses a person's ministry, one who's called to the ministry. In this case, we're looking at our Lord as an example. And the finances come into the ministry, and then God expects uh, that ministry head to be a good steward of those finances. Now, Lord was an exceptionally good steward of the finances. Now we know that the Lord did know that uh, Judas was stealing from the money box. And, but he couldn't do anything about it at that time because Judas was, in fact, raised up by God for a specific purpose. And um, the Lord tolerated um, Judas's theft because it wasn't substantial, but it was nevertheless, he was, he was skim, skim, skimming off the top all the time. Um, and our Lord knew about that. But outside of that, our Lord was obviously a very good steward of the finances that the God the Father provided for him through his work of ministry. In so much so that he could support a huge team. It was a very large team. And as, as I say, it was also their families that had to be supported as well. But look at this other passage of scripture because again just gives us an insight as to our Lord's handling of finances because we need to understand how you know our lord worked with his finances so we have uh, uh, an example to follow in our own uh, dealing with our finances and we pick up the account in john's gospel chapter 13 verse 29 the scripture says for some thought because judas had the money box that jesus had said to him buy those things we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor and so it seems to be, in fact, it is the case that uh, although there was a vast amount of money that came into our Lord's ministry and those, that, that money was utilized to supply the needs of the ministry team so that they could live, um, a substantial amount of that money was given to the poor. 
our Lord would then uh, instruct Judas to give money to the poor. And it seemed to me that it was at any time that God would just move upon the Lord to give to the poor, and our Lord would then send Judas out, go give to the poor. On, on this occasion, it was late at night, when our, the, the disciples, when they see Jude, our Lord speaking to Judas and sending him out, they assume two things. Either he's going to go buy something that we need for the feast, or he's got to go give to the poor. So their, their natural thinking is that Judas is going to go give to the poor. Now, why do they think like that? Because that was the norm. Because time and time again, the Lord would just call Judas aside and say, I want you to go give X number to the poor. And so Judas would, you know, obey, basically, and he would go give to the poor. And so that, our Lord was constantly, the, the, the finances, it was not a case of, you know, our Lord was hoarding up, because there were, you must understand, there was a, a substantial amount of wealth that came through our Lord's ministry. You try to support 70 people plus extended families every month for two years, and you, that, that takes a lot of money. I don't care how, if, if you try and even get them to live on, on, the, on, the, on the poverty line. It still takes a lot of money. But then they didn't live on the poverty line. And so there was a, a substantial amount of wealth that constantly came through our Lord's ministry. And it went out all the time. And as a part of what went out was giving to the poor. And it seems to be that that was the majority of uh, what happened, is that the money was given to the poor. Why do I say that? In John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 5, um, we pick up the account again when Mary was extravagant in that she poured out the perfume on our Lord, the 150,000 rand. Now, what was um, the disciples' comment about that? Well, why didn't we sell this so that we would have had enough money to take care of ourselves and our families? No, they didn't say that. In fact, in, in Judas got on the bandwagon with this one. The comment is, why wasn't this sold so that the money could be given to the poor? And so it seems to be that the vast amount of money that came into that ministry team went out to the poor. Because that was the, that was the, the natural thinking. And it wasn't just Judas who said that. He was the most vocal, but the other disciples said the same thing, pretty much. Um, they didn't say, you know, we could have used this money, you know, Lord, to, you know, take care of our needs. They didn't say that. They said this money could have been sold and given to the poor. Because why? Because our Lord had just kind of you know, educated them during this time period because now we're getting close to the end of our Lord's ministry. So they spent almost two years with Him. They've learnt that when our Lord gets money in by and large, most of it goes to the poor. But it just keeps coming in because that's how God operates. Give and it shall be given. Our Lord taught those principles. And because our Lord taught those principles, He actually lived by those principles. And the disciples learned to live by the same principles. And so they had become pretty used to the way things worked. And that is that whatever money came into our Lord's ministry, first port of call is that the money would be given to the poor. And then their needs would still be taken care of. Nobody in our Lord's ministry team ever lacked anything. You recall when our Lord sent His uh, ministers out to preach the gospel, He wouldn't let them take anything with. Um, we're not going to get into that in any kind of depth, but they weren't even allowed to take two pairs, of, uh, two changes of clothing, um, because He wanted to teach them that God the Father would take care of their every need, and that's exactly what did transpire. If you go read the account, because He asked them at the end of it, He said, "Did you guys lack anything?" They said, "No." 
We didn't lack anything because God the Father took care of everything. And our Lord wanted to teach them that, that principle, that God takes care of everything. So that brings us across now into our Lord's personal finances because he, our Lord also had his own personal needs that he had to take care of. We've already dealt with earlier that our Lord did rent a home in the, in the town of Caponium. And so he had to pay his rent for that home every month as well. And so God the Father took care of his personal finance, uh, finances as well. And we can pick that up in this account of Scripture in Luke chapter 12, verse 22 to 28. The Scripture says, Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then, so God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And so, our Lord Jesus is not a hypocrite. He, what he taught is what he lived by. So he knew what he was talking about. You say, okay, but you know, we're talking about Jesus. I mean, Jesus, there's no way Jesus was ever going to doubt God. Well, no, there isn't. You're quite right on that point. But nevertheless, Jesus is still given to us as our example. The Bible says, He who abides in Christ ought himself to walk even as he walked. And so our Lord is, is, is kind of encouraging his saints all the time. Guys, come out. When he's on the water, he, he, he encourages his saints to get out of the boat and to walk on the water. Why does he want to do that? Because he wants us to experience the, the blessing of God. He wants us to experience the provision of God. And so our Lord Jesus Christ practiced what he preached in that he understood that God the Father would supply every one of his needs. And don't forget, he had a huge ministry team that he had to support every single month. He had, they, they had to be able to pay their rents and they had to be able to feed their families. Um, and because Jesus had told them, guys, leave everything, follow me. And so in, in doing that, they were obedient. Now he was obliged to supply the need, which he did every single month. And, but he did that by trusting in God the Father to supply all of his needs. And that's exactly what God the Father did. Now Jesus understood the principle that if a man will not work, neither shall he eat. That's in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. And so Jesus understood that this was the work that the Father had given him to do. And so God had employed him, and he could fully expect to be paid by God. Now, I know that sounds a bit of a crude analogy, but I just want to bring across the, the, the principle of how we deal in the, in the financial realm. And so as somebody who owns their own business and employs employees, well, they trust in God the Father to bless their business so that they can pay their employees every month. And that's exactly what our Lord Jesus Christ was doing. He was trusting God the Father to supply all of his needs through the ministry so that he could in turn take care of the needs of his disciples. It's, a, it, it's the same principle on the financial side of it. 
And so that's exactly what uh, God the Father did. And that's exactly how the Lord Jesus Christ lived. He never was anxious one second about the finances coming in because he just knew that God the Father would take care of him and his ministry team. And that's exactly what transpired. And our Lord is kind of encouraging us to, to walk out there as well, to be completely um, reliant on the Father. But again, the work, again, the, the scripture is very plain. He who will not work shall not eat. And so it's a case of we get out there and we do what God tells us to do. And we are diligent in doing that. And God sustains us through that, whatever it might be, whatever, if we're employed to do whatever it is, um, God sustains our needs through the employment that he provides us uh, to do. <clears throat> and again, we just want to talk, we're talking about our Lord's personal finances and how he dealt with his personal finances. Um, and we pick it up again, we've dealt with this issue, but I just want to bring it out in John chapter 7, verse 53, and then leading straight into John 8, 1 and 2, because they're obviously the chapter and verses, it's the, the same passage. The scripture says, And everyone went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And so it's just a very clear account to us that our Lord Jesus uh, never owned his own home. And very often, and I've mentioned this already, when our Lord would go out and, and on uh, traveling ministry, time very often he and his team would sleep under the stars and this is a classic case everybody went to his own home but jesus went to the mount of olives and the next day he goes to the temple and begins teaching early in the morning clearly he and his team had slept under the stars in on the mount of olives and so our lord just you know he was it didn't phase the lord to you know guys we're going to sleep under the stars tonight Lord, isn't there a hotel we can go to? No, we're going to sleep under the stars tonight. So, you know, that's the kind of life that our Lord lived. Now, I'm not suggesting that God is expecting all of his disciples to go sleep under the stars. What I'm trying to get across here is, you know, whatever the Father, how he takes care of our needs, that's how we live. And that's how the Father took care of our Lord's needs. Now, our Lord did stay in many homes as he traveled around. He stayed in Peter's home. We picked that up in Luke 438. He stayed in Simon the leper's home. We picked that up in Matthew 26.6. He stayed in Levi's home. Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark 2.15. He stayed in Martha and Mary's home. Uh, that we pick up in John 12, 1-2. And I'm sure that our Lord stayed in many homes as he traveled around Judea and Galilee teaching the gospel. Um, that was how the Father uh, took care of him and his ministry team's needs. But very often they would sleep under the stars. And God would... Uh, Again, it just never phased the Lord uh, about that. You know, in that he would say to the Father, Father, you know, I really don't want to sleep under the stars tonight. No, not the case. If that's where God the Father wanted him to sleep, that's what he did. He slept under the stars. And so he didn't own his own home. We do know he rented his own home. Let's have a look at how our Lord dealt with his personal taxes and his personal finances. Because that's also very instructive to us. Matthew chapter 17 Verse 24 to 27, the scripture says, When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the tax came to Peter and said, Now I know in a lot of uh, translations uh, they put a, a word temple tax there, but the, the word temple is italicized, which means that the translators put that in there themselves. It wasn't the temple tax, this was normal tax. 
that uh, that our Lord was being queried about, because later on the the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees who try to uh, um, trip up our Lord, they used this this comment to try and you know prove that our Lord was saying we shouldn't be paying tax. But anyway, this is the point. So when they come to Capernaum, those who received the tax came to Peter and said. Does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. And that's what the, because the, they heard them. They were, there were a lot of informers in the, the audience listening. And they went back to the rulers and they said, ah, he's telling us we shouldn't pay tax. Anyways, um, he said, then the sons are free, in verse 27. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. And so what I find very interesting about this passage here is we've already established that there were vast sums of money coming through the Lord's ministry um, the finances of uh, supply to our Lord's ministry and Judas was the, the, the keeper of those finances but here we come to an incident where our Lord is now obliged to pay tax and he says we should because he said lest we offend them but so he doesn't go to Judas and say you know Judas you know Peter and I we've got to pay our tax can we take some money out of the, the, the box so that those taxes can get paid he doesn't do that at all um, he uses his faith and God the Father sends a, a fish down to the bottom of the ocean floor, pick up a piece of coin and bring it up. And Peter catches it and our Lord says, go take that and pay the tax for yourself and for myself. And that's how the Lord took care of his personal finances. Even his own personal tax bill, he didn't take out of the money box because this was his own personal tax bill. And so he trusted God the Father to take care of his need in this area. And God did, supernaturally, nevertheless. God still took care of his need in this area. Um, so it just gives us an indication of just how, uh, what a good steward our Lord was of the finances that came through his ministry, in that he didn't skim off the top for his own personal needs, you know, and then let everybody try and sort out their own needs. Not at all. Um, Jesus always looked to God the Father to supply his needs and used his faith along those lines. It's just an illustration to us of just um, what a good steward our Lord Jesus Christ was of finances. And we need to look at that as the ultimate example and look at our Lord and follow after Him. And then we get to another account um, when our Lord is going to the cross, just prior to going to the cross, when He goes into the city of Jerusalem. <clears throat> I bring up this account because this account's also been distorted by those who teach the prosperity gospel to the extreme. And so we pick it up in Luke chapter 19, verse 29 to 35. The scripture says, And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. So they who were sent went their way and found it just as he said to them. But as they were loosening in the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosening the colt? And they said, 
the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. Now, what a lot of the prosperity gospel teachers say is that, it's amazing what they say, but they say it anyway, that Jesus rode the best form of transport that was available, um, justifying their driving around in luxury vehicles. Now, I'm not knocking that. You know, that's between them and the Lord how they spend their money. That's, that's not the issue. I'm just trying to bring a point that for them to say that our Lord Jesus, in riding on a donkey, uh, was using the most luxurious form of transport that was available in the day, and so that justifies us doing the same thing. Well, you know, that's, that comment is not true. Okay, and so that's why I'm just dealing with it. As I say, I'm not knocking people driving luxury cars. That's fine, and that's, got, that's not what we're dealing with here. I'm just dealing with what our Lord did. Our Lord borrowed that donkey. He didn't own it. He borrowed it um, for that specific one little trip from outside Jerusalem into the city of Jerusalem. Why is that? Because he had to fulfill the prophecy that God had spoken. Now look at the prophecy that God spoke about that. Zechariah 9.9. Scripture says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Now look at this. Lowly and riding on a donkey. A colt, the foal of a donkey. And so this was a display of our, our Lord's humility. It wasn't a display of his extravagance, of coming into Jerusalem on the most luxurious transport that was available at the day, because that's also rubbish. The most luxurious transport available in the day was horseback, was chariots, was litters, were, you know, were carried by servants. And so our Lord didn't come <laughs> in the most luxurious transport of the day. He borrowed somebody's donkey, and it was, the Bible says, he came into the city lowly, in other words, this was a sign of the humility of the Almighty God, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so for anybody to take this particular incident and say, see, look at the Lord, he used the most luxurious transport available. That is just such rubbish and should not be proclaimed. Um, again, I'm not knocking the guys who drive these the luxurious cars. That's their issue. That's got nothing to do. I just want to bring into perspective what, uh, what actually transpired on that day. It was not a case of our Lord Jesus Christ um, using the most luxurious transport and owning it. He didn't, he borrowed it. It was a donkey. And the scripture says very plainly that this was our Lord demonstrating how his lowliness, in other words, his humility in coming in. Because the Lord's coming back again and he will ride into Jerusalem again. And what will he ride in? He will ride on a white horse. A heavenly horse, and you know that is uh, luxurious as far as heaven's concerned from that point of view. And I'm not going to get into that in any kind of depth, but I just wanted to bring that in because, again, it just points to the fact that our Lord Jesus owned nothing. He owned the clothes he wore. And that was it, because even when he needed the donkey to fulfill Scripture to come into Jerusalem, he had to go borrow it. And yeah, that's exactly how our Lord Jesus Christ lived. He lived. Fully trusting in God. I mean, he, he knew where the donkey was. God showed him, the Holy Spirit showed him where the donkey was, what to say, and the donkey would be made available. The Lord has need of it. 
Obviously, the owners of the donkey must probably had a dream the night before. The angel had said, I'm going to borrow your donkey tomorrow. My, the Lord's going to need it and you need to let it go. And so, you know, they were quite prepared to let it go when the disciples said, the Lord has need of it. Um, again, just our God the Father taking care of every single detail of our Lord's life. And that's what our Lord was trying to get across to us when He walked the earth. Guys, this is how we live. We are completely trusting in the Lord. But again, don't forget, throughout that ministry time, there was, you know, it's hard to estimate how much money came through and passed out. You know, it was just like a a constant flow of finances in that ministry um, of our Lord Jesus Christ. But a substantial amount, if you go and try and work it out over that two-year period, there would have been a huge amount of money that came into that ministry and went out of that ministry. So much so that when our Lord went to the cross, that was it. There was nothing, there was no will, last will and testament that the Lord made out and Peter, you get that, um, that part of my ministry and John, you can get that. And there was nothing. All that was there is this, and we pick it up in Mark 15, 24. Um, and when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. It was his clothes. Psalm 22, 17, 18. I can count my, all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. And so our Lord Jesus Christ never owned anything on this planet. Not one thing. Except the clothes that he wore. Now was it? Um, probably those were given to him, I don't know, the scripture is silent on the issue. But nevertheless, that was what he owned. When he went to the cross, that was it. And the, his, his, his persecutors took those, that clothing, those clothing for themselves. Um, but nevertheless, from the time that our Lord was born, before he was born obviously, from the time of the womb until the time that he went to the cross, God the Father took care of his son every single moment of his life. He never once lacked anything. Now there was the time he went into the wilderness and he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. But that was under the instruction of God the Father. So it wasn't a case of Jesus didn't have anything to eat because you know he couldn't find anything. No, he was fasting because he was instructed by the Holy Spirit to do so. And so we never once come across any incident where our Lord Jesus Christ was lacking. But he never owned anything. And so God the Father took care of His Son from conception to the cross, to the, the grave. And that's how the, the head of the church lived. And He instructs us to follow after Him and to live as He lived. Now again, don't forget, it was only the two years towards the end of His life that He was in ministry. Prior to that, our Lord did work as a carpenter. He earned an income and He paid His rent and all that kind of stuff through that. So, you know, he lived a normal lifestyle that all of us live by. And so, but the point is, is that that he was always completely trusted in God the Father to supply his every need, which God the Father did. And we need to look at our Lord Jesus Christ, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we, we need to, as far as possible, live as he lived and walk as he walked. And he enables us to do that because it's by his grace that we can do it. We're going to end the teaching on that one today.